You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds, like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Mindfulness is presence, awareness. It's paying attention to what's happening within us and around us. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity, And there are many health benefits from practicing mindfulness and meditation, from lowering blood pressure to increased longevity. Perhaps most importantly in today's chaotic world, mindfulness strengthens our ability to be more compassionate to ourselves as well as others. I am definitely by nature a curious person. After interviewing Jamie Matthews about her book, Sunroofs and Shoeboxes, where she talked about curiosity, I realized that one of the impacts of the pandemic is that I became very focused on a narrow set of topics to be curious about, namely, all health-related, and temporarily lost the joyful side of inquisitiveness and exploration. That's pretty normal, because biologically, when we're stressed, Our brains become laser-focused on the perceived threat to our safety or well-being, so we're often not open to receiving new and different information that may contradict what we think is already occurring. That makes it much harder to take in a full picture of reality because we're giving all of our attention to one specific perspective. According to Merriam-Webster, there are several definitions of curiosity. A desire to know is definitely one of my traits but it's also inquisitive interest in others' concerns, or nosiness. I confess I have that too, but I don't act on it regarding the dictionary's example of neighbors, which is challenging considering how curious some of my neighbors are, as in another definition of the word, strange or having interesting qualities. My curiosity was usually focused on inquisitive thinking and learning, acted on through research and observation. Now, not that I don't use the internet every single day, and I greatly appreciate the convenience of Google, 
Curiosity is not really about facts, but about experiences. So observation is a key practice in fully experiencing curiosity. Nature, museums, zoos, travel, and trying new things all nurture curiosity. Pre-pandemic, I did all of those things on a regular basis, plus was an avid people and animal watcher. But with the public spaces closed and being cut off from most of humanity for so long, my curiosity withered over time without me even realizing it. I've started to notice that my curiosity is returning, which I take as another good sign that the pandemic, although not gone, is definitely abating. I'm feeling an itch for a road trip and maybe a day at the beach for the first time in over two years. I woke up this morning curious about where the saying, curiosity killed the cat, came from. I did have to Google that, and as in so many cases, the original saying was not curiosity killed the cat, but that care killed the cat. Back in the 1500s, the word care meant worry or sorrow for others. So while cats can definitely get themselves into trouble due to their curiosity, the original saying is still very pertinent today, considering the impact stress has on our well-being. Curiosity is also a component of mindfulness. Curiosity can lead to mindful exploration or investigation that allows us to fully know an experience as it is rather than how we perceive it. Mindfulness teacher Kimberly Brown explains that curiosity is a willingness to experience without looking away, ignoring, or denying. When we're curious, she says, we are using our attention to have an experience as it is directly. In other words, you don't have to try to artificially change how you feel. You only have to acknowledge your current experience and then allow that there is something more to the full story. In mindfulness, Curiosity is practiced to help us more deeply explore what is going on inside us, whether in our minds or bodies. As we become curious about a physical pain, for example, we explore it versus judge it. The more awareness and curiosity we bring to the area in pain, the pain changes. It doesn't necessarily go away, but it typically lessens or we realize that it's not one big pain but multiple small pains clustered together, which prompts more curiosity and exploration. Likewise with our minds. As we become curious about our own thoughts or behavior related to anger, for example, we get interested in the whole of the occurrence instead of ruminating about injustices, which changes our response to the situation. Clinical psychiatrist Dan Siegel says that when we get really distressed, we flip our lids and go offline. Curiosity helps us put the lid back on, allowing us to consider what kind of response we wish to have as opposed to engaging in one we might regret. Patricia Rockman wrote in an article on Mindful.org that curiosity may, in fact, stop us from killing the cat. Dr. Judson Brewer recently wrote that curiosity, or our drive for information, can induce a pleasant state or an aversive state. Psychologically, I-curiosity stands for interest, which is the pleasurable aspect of a hunger for knowledge, while D-curiosity stands for deprivation, or the idea that if we have a gap in information, we get into a restless, need-to-know state that is quite unpleasant. 
I definitely experienced de-curiosity during the first two years of the pandemic, needing to know more about COVID-19, and like everyone on the planet, experiencing a huge gap in information and the accompanying discomfort of that. But this type of curiosity is much more common in circumstances like hearing your phone beep with a text at a moment that you can't check to see what it is. It suddenly becomes quite uncomfortable in the middle of your meeting to focus because you don't know who is texting you and your body reacts by your temperature rising as though your phone starts burning a hole in your pocket. That fire of uncertainty, according to Rockman, is put out when you check your phone to see who texted you or read what the message says. The relief of the negative state is in itself rewarding. She says that's why TV shows have cliffhangers, to drive deprivation curiosity. We have to know what happens, so we binge watch. My curiosity about curiosity killing cats is another example of de-curiosity. It would have bugged me if I hadn't looked it up to find the answer. Interest curiosity is aroused when we become interested in learning more about something, but usually in broader categories, not like who texted you or where a phrase came from. For instance, did you know that human noses and ears never stop growing throughout our entire lives? That's because they're composed of soft tissue enveloped in cartilage where cells continue to grow as long as we're breathing. You may have already noticed that grandma seems to have big ears or grandpa's nose is a little large. But can you imagine what we'll look like as lifespans continue to expand? How big will our noses and ears be if we live to be 125 or 150 years old? That's eye curiosity, where there's no deficit to fill, but simply curiosity and the reward of learning something new. D-curiosity is about reaching a destination, while I-curiosity is about the journey. I-curiosity is the aspect that dwells in the practice of mindfulness. I-curiosity makes us feel good. Research shows that at peak curiosity, dopamine pathways in the brain fire with increased intensity, and there is a strong connection between reward centers in the brain and the hippocampus, where part of our memory functions reside. Additionally, curiosity is coded in the orbitofrontal cortex, which is where the brain assigns value to different things, and primates in one study were willing to give up rewards such as getting a drink of water when they were thirsty for information. These studies suggest that the expression thirst for knowledge really is more than a metaphor. While our old brain focuses on finding food and water to survive, our newer brain seeks information to plan and predict the future, which helps us flourish. So how can you cultivate more curiosity in your life? Psychologist B.F. Skinner said, when you run into something interesting, drop everything else and study it. The feeling of being interested can act as a kind of neurological signal directing us to fruitful areas of inquiry. Another way to increase curiosity is to read widely. I read a lot for both work and pleasure, and I do try to mix it up. My bookshelves are filled with everything from science to murder mysteries to art history and pretty much everything in between. I don't always finish a book because once I've given it a chapter or two, if it doesn't pique my interest, then I don't get that hit of dopamine my brain is seeking, and therefore it's not generating curiosity. But I still learn something. I learn what I don't want to know more about. 
The benefit, however, is usually that I do become curious. I found my way to both art and history museums by reading about the topics first. I chose my travel destinations based on reading either books or magazines. Curiosity gets sparked and observation follows. Ask questions, even if you think they're dumb questions. When you meet someone that has a unique job or is from another country, you have a lovely opportunity to explore the unknown. If the answers generate curiosity, you can further explore on your own. When you meditate and notice anything out of the ordinary in your body, like tension or pain, spend time being curious about it. Explore it. Observe it. Consider how that small area is connected with the rest of your body. Wonder about how complex the whole body is. Ask what this one uncomfortable area is trying to tell you. When in emotional discomfort, ask yourself questions about it. What is the emotion trying to tell you? Where did the thoughts you're having about it come from? The key is to be non-judgmental. Curiosity can help you stay present in a non-judgmental way to whatever your experience is. It's actually stronger than any type of force or willpower you might habitually use and can also bring a playful, even joyful attitude to any situation. So pay attention today to see what you see, hear, or experience and follow your curiosity. Then do it again tomorrow and the next day. Before you know it, you're building your mindfulness skills and you'll be enjoying the wonder and awe in our world. Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills, paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes to work tasks to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access all podcasts and interviews. A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee, and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, Media Right Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions, 